0: to High Low
1: Brow, the show with high brow takes on low brow culture. I am your host, Amanda Scriver. I'm your other host, Anita Steinberg. I can't believe I'm actually here. I've come back from the dead. Yeah, you've had a nasty cold. I, fuck, I wasn't sure if I was gonna make it.
2: Your first cold during COVID. For real,
1: uh, you don't, <laughs> trust me, I'm sure everybody can relate, but Uh, your first time getting sick during COVID, you're probably Googling a million times being like, is this COVID? It's not great.
2: (laughs) You know, I, I had that a lot and this is definitely not a unique experience. I definitely had that a lot at the beginning of COVID, like I would say for the first year and I got tested. So, I mean, I have health anxiety in the best of times. So I went, I got, I've gotten tested quite a few times. I do this thing where I like swallow a hundred times in a row to make sure my throat isn't hurting. So, but I haven't been sick. Really? I've been, I've had weird allergies. I don't know. I've had some like odd ailments, yeah. but I haven't had like a cold. Yeah. So I'm dreading the
1: day. It's been a wild time for, uh, <laughs> things on the internet. I came across in my, uh, Citron cough syrup, cold haze, this interview on Vanity Fair with uh, Madonna's daughter, Lourdes. And uh, there's so many delicious quotes in here that I can't even. Yeah.
2: You brought it to my attention just minutes ago. <laughs> and um, I cannot imagine being Madonna's daughter. I read through like the first few parts and um Apparently she's up for a challenge and would like to play Mother Teresa
1: in a movie. Okay, so my, <laughs> when I was, when I was reading this, she, she says she would like to go to her dream dinner is Prince Philip and Charles, <laughs> which I'm like, what? Who she deems a bit evil. <laughs> and also Castro. Because she thinks he would be interesting to talk to. And she thinks that Nini from the Housewives should be there. Could you imagine that, like, dinner table? (laughs) I don't even know. No. That literally would be the Last Supper because the world would end. (laughs) I need someone to draw that, like, or sorry, not draw that, like, paint that, like, yeah,
2: like a, like a rena, like I, I see it as a Renaissance painting. Yeah, beauty, beauty. <laughs> Anything else to
1: note in this uh... chaotic article? Nutty piece. I didn't know that she dated T- uh, Timothy Chalamet. Did you know that? Mm, it kind of rings a bell. Okay, I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought he was gay.
2: You know, I saw this great tweet. This great tweet that was like, all of the women that convinced me that Timothy Chalamet was hot are lesbians now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I was just fully convinced uh, that he was he. We had like brought him to our team. I was like, he's one of us. Well. I mean, yeah, he, he, could, he, be. he, could, he be. could be. I, I uh, that's true. I feel like I'm erasing, by pan, folks. Her hero is Jersey Shore star Jay Wow. I mean,
2: icon. So she. I mean, at least she's like a reality TV lover. Lord is Normie <laughs> nor Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of kids, I I often wonder when the first like.
1: The first kid of a Real Housewife will will write like a tell all. Oh, it's definitely going to be. Um, oh fuck, the name is right on the tip of my tongue. Who's Tamara. who's kid? Tamara. Oh, you
2: think so? Mm-hmm. Like her strange daughter, or yeah, Ryan, or. Yep. Oh fuck! I don't know. Fuck Ryan. I- <laughs> he's like he's. Or you think it's going to be like Sophia? Yeah. The one that like moved in with Simon and Tamara hasn't like talked to forever. Hundred percent. Interesting. I I don't know. I've thought a lot about it and for a long time. I thought it was going to be like Vicky Gunfelson's daughter, Brianna, but she's. I don't think she will. Mm-mm. Um, I could see one of like Teresa's. Like I could see like Gia, maybe. Oh, that would be so interesting. Yeah. Even like sonia's daughter or like one of luann's kids i actually you know who i could actually see but it wouldn't be like a bad one it wouldn't be like an expose it would just be sort of like a like a buy bi- like an autobiography yeah. is um dorinda's daughter hannah like she's kind of new yorky and yeah. like
1: i don't know like alina dunham type yeah. character you know yeah actually you know what i could totally um not not daughters but um See, it's, I keep saying, the cold, it's given me brain fog. <laughs> but um, what is her name from uh, Jersey? And her mom is always on the show, too. With the pigtails. Oh, Margaret. Margaret. Margaret Sr.
2: Right. Margaret Sr. Yeah. That would be cool. Because I think they, she had a kind of interesting life. But I just mean like kind of a net, like a, like a, like a mommy dearest type situation Mm -hmm. you know yeah like just how fucked up things were i mean this is very uh trashy and it and (laughs) 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 but i would read it i so i've been waiting i've been waiting i feel like that that whole like exposing your parents thing was very like 80s yeah you know like i think or like 70s 80s like i feel like that was a big thing with like sort of like old hollywood stars like their kids, Joan Crawford's daughter, Betty Davis's daughter, definitely yep. like a lot of Judy
1: Garland stuff. That actually just made me think of real housewives, uh Kathy Hilton and all right. like all of them. Can I say something? Uh this is unrelated to your thoughts, but I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Kathy Hilton Every time I see her on screen, really looks to me like Caitlyn Jenner.
2: Yeah, I could see
1: it. I I could see it. I I didn't
2: pinpoint that, but I, I, yeah. I think it's the plastic surgery and bone structure. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I was going to say, like, I think a lot of them probably have the same plastic surgeon. Yeah. So everyone is starting to look the same yeah it's not a read it's just like yeah yeah it's just a fact it's just twilight zone playing out in real time uh rod serling came up with this 80 years ago but anyway to you thought about kathy hilton and caitlin jenner
1: i can't look at kathy and not see Caitlyn.
2: it's weird well there they're all so I would love to read a book just about that family and their connections to everything in Hollywood. You know, I was watching the Denise Richards uh season <laughs> and um Kyle was like, you know, my boyfriend in my late teens, early twenties or whatever was best friends with Charlie Sheen. And I just feel like they're such a Hollywood family and it's just so fascinating. Yeah. Totally and the dynamics and the I mean, that's kind of what Kyle tried to do with with her show American Woman, um, sort of paint a picture of their their life growing up. But uh, I'm just, you know, after watching this family for 12, 13 years at this point, I, you know, I'm just I'm so fascinated by them.
1: OK, I think you should let everybody know about the episode this week. We're switching it up this week.
2: I actually took on the interview for one of our spooky season episodes. I had the privilege of talking to my very good Twitter friend, Mary Beth McAndrews. And we talked a little bit about horror movies and the evolution of found footage, which she is an expert in. She also works at Dread Central, and she has a couple podcasts of her own, which we talk about. And she'll definitely give you a couple movies to add to your Halloween watch list. So today on the show, we have my very good friend, Mary Beth McAndrews. She is a film critic, found footage scholar, content manager at Dread Central, co-host of her own podcast, Scarred, and watched Once and Never Again. And she's all around the best. I'm so crazy about her. So welcome.
0: I'm crazy about you. Wow. Wow. I'm so stoked to be here and to see your face. We feel like we text all the time about real housewives, but I never get to see your beautiful face. So it's exciting. I
2: know. I know I feel the same. We met we met once in person. We are we are Twitter friends first and foremost. Yes. We're all good friendships are for.
0: Honestly, at this point, though, in my adult life, it is kind of funny how a lot of my, like, close adult friendships have come on the internet, have been formed on the internet, which I feel like is not, like, a rare. I feel like most of us have at least one friend that is, like, an internet friend who is also a very close friend.
2: I think so, but I also think that's, like, an extremely online thing. Like, I that's think some true. of my some of my other friends who aren't really online in the same way, they don't have internet That's
0: friends. true. No as soon as I said that, I was like, Oh wait, no, I forget that I am the online friend and like that's normal for <laughs> like me and the people I'm friends with, but when I like meet like my college friends who I met in the real world, like they they just hang out with people they met in reality.
2: Yeah, totally. But I, I asked you on today to talk about your favorite thing, which is found footage films, I actually don't know your kind of like origin story with like horror movies in
0: general. So, okay, I've been watching horror movies since I was the age of four. Not necessarily of my own volition. I had um, my da- my my dad was like not maybe the most responsible when it came to showing me movies. A parent, a child of divorce, so you have like there's always like <laughs> the parent that is like has the rules and the parent that does not. My dad did not have the rules, but it started out when his dad, my grandpop, showed me Jaws when I was four, Mm -hmm. and from there, I was both horrified and fascinated with horror movies. Like, I was such a scaredy cat. I was scared of everything, but I always wanted to watch scary movies. Like, even if I knew I was going to be fucking destroyed, like, I I still (laughs) wanted to watch it. I loved the feeling of watching horror movies, and so... You know, I grew up watching a lot of them. I saw them in movie theaters with my dad. Like, I saw The Strangers for my birthday one year. I think I was, like, 13, 14, or 15. Like, pretty Mm -hmm. young. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, you know, kept – love of horror kept growing, especially as I got onto the internet. And I could Mm -hmm. watch all of these, like, cool horror movies, like, on my computer. My mom wasn't around. Like, yeah. You know, I was the f- the friend that was like, let's watch Midnight Meat Train. And everyone's like, you're fucking weird. And I was like, I know. Or like, <laughs> let's watch like my favorite, my go-to movie was Teeth. Like uh-huh. the Vagina Dentata movie. Like that's what I wanted to show people. Like, so that was the kind of like, that was my my brand, my vibe. And I went into college with that brand. And then I took a class on horror movies. And like that mm-hmm. fucking blew my mind that I could yeah. write about movies in an academic way. Like I had just never really thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't had that kind of exposure to that world. So when I was like, oh, there's books, like actual, like really well written, amazing books about horror and people write about horror and they make money off of writing about horror. And then I also got like a whole new appreciation for horror because growing up, I also wasn't like, super keyed into, like, gender studies and, like, race mm-hmm. theory and things like that. So, like for, most, like, like, for a lot of people, college opened my eyes to that. But, like, it just gave me this even, like, more profound connection to horror. And horror became, like, even more of a coping mechanism for me for a lot of stuff. And so, like, from there, I just became even more in love with the genre and convinced that I needed to be in some kind of, like, writer academia position in my life with horror. And I kind of am, yeah. which is kind of cool. So It's very cool. It's my abridged horror journey. I've loved horror too from like
2: the time I can remember. I had older cousins who liked horror movies and they were always like showing me like the Exorcist and <sighs> and stuff like that. But different from you is that like it didn't scare me. I mean Oh. It scared me, but like not in like like in a fun way. Like I wasn't like I didn't have nightmares. I wasn't like upset by them so i'm i'm always interested to hear from people who like truly get scared but
0: still watch them anyway like i love that oh 100 and now i don't get scared at all and this will kind of clip like what we're talking about like i would watch like supernatural ghost hunting shows and get, oh my god like scare the absolute hell out of myself because i believed in all <laughs> that stuff i was convinced i was like ghosts oh, yeah. are real aliens are real everything is real so all of these shows are just reality and i'm going to get got by the supernatural and so that's what i really lo- like i loved that stuff and that was what really freaked me out as a kid too was like
2: supernatural is always that's like my favorite genre that's like if there's like a haunted house or like a ghost movie that's like i'm thrilled i'm so excited yeah maybe jumping the gun a little bit but now that you brought up like ghost hunting shows that is like such a niche interest of mine and like i too grew up watching them and you know like paranormal state was always my favorite number one and no one has watched it i love paranormal Um, state it's the best one in my opinion like i feel like it was the most authentic because they didn't go over the top yes you know, I feel like something like Ghost Hunters, it it was so, you know, they go into, like, a an asylum or, like, a hospital or a jail or whatever. And it's just, like, so overdone where it's, like, the crazy, like, shaky camera and, like, night vision and all of this stuff where, like, I feel like Paranormal State took this, like, really interesting angle in terms of, like, they just wanted to help the people that were being haunted,
0: it, it didn't feel as fake, I think, as a lot of, like, so, like, okay, so Ghost Hunters and Paranormal State were my two favorites. I did love Ghost Hunters. I loved, like, the Roto-Rooter plumbers, and, like, this is their side <laughs> hustle, and, like, yeah. I loved them, but they definitely had those moments that you knew were scripted that were, like, oh, the mm. transition, and, like, yeah, Paranormal State had those two, but it, it felt more serious, you know what I mean? Like, it felt like they it took it seriously. Like, they really did... Yeah think that something wild was happening and like the host ryan also had like a crazy history with like demons and i was like oh yep can totally real but Paranormal State was was also. Oh, I'm sixty, so happy that someone else has seen it because I yeah. watched it religiously. Me too. I was just
2: religiously and and also too like that's how I found out about Lorraine Warren because
0: she was on like lots of episodes. Yes. Like, that's exactly I how can... I found out about her. And yeah. when people were like, "Oh, she's um like a charlatan," I was like, "She seems such a nice old lady." <laughs> yeah,
2: well, like I think in one episode they like go to her house and she's just like a bit wacky and has all of these chickens.
0: Could you have a pet in that house? If if everything is to be as expected and haunted, I feel like having a pet would not thrive from what you hear about dogs and cats being like clued in like nightmare, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So
2: I feel like I mean, obviously, like one of the first like found footage is Ghost Watch. Um, and then it sort of like progressed from there, but like, how do you think like the ghost hunter shows and even there's like shows about cryptids and like different like mysteries and stuff, like something like destination truth, which I also love. And I feel like now there's like this kind of new generation, like Hellier, which we've talked about a little bit and, you know, even something like Buzzfeed unsolved. So like, what do you think about the evolution of the genre in that way?
0: So it's interesting because it's like, what is to me fascinating is that like cable plays into this. You know what I mean? Like I haven't watched a lot of ghost hunting shows since I don't, I no longer have cable with my parents. And I feel like, you know, these ghost hunting shows now have taken on like a whole new life, but stepping back from that whole thing, I definitely feel like, especially, and maybe this was just because of how old I was, but it felt like once paranormal activity, like really blew up, it felt Mm -hmm. like there were more ghost hunting shows. And like there were desires for that kind of thing, and they got a little bit more in the zeitgeist. I feel like there's always been like monster hunters, and there's always been ghost hunting shows, but that kind of it feels like it, the ups to the ante when found footage got popular because then they could say, oh well, cool, so those those techniques are used on t- like in films that are making money, so why don't we try it and we'll make lots of money that way and there's even more of the air of authenticity with these shows because they are claiming that they're non-fiction like they're mm-hmm. saying that they're real i mean i know i used to work at discovery a discovery channel and like you know they used to have like cryptic i used to work on the show finding bigfoot i did like mm-hmm. all the social media and stuff for them mm-hmm. and like the ratings for those shows like were so surprisingly high because people want so badly to believe and want so badly for these things to be real and you know they also want to shit on it like we all like everyone watch a lot of people watch those shows as a joke but still there's like still something really appealing about watching a bunch of people who believe in ghosts grab some cameras and go fuck around and find out (laughs) so Like, and then what's happened, I think, with cable is that, you know, there's no, cable is not as, you know, as important, but like Discovery Plus has picked up so many more paranormal shows. So I feel like there's even more of them now than there used to be. I don't think there's as many like ghost hunting shows like Ghost Hunters and then Zach Baggins' show that I totally forgot the name of. was it Ghost Encounters. So It's more just, like, instead of having these personality-driven shows, it feels now it's more just, like, the phenomenon and watching and hearing interviews with people who had actual experiences.
2: Okay. We have been having some technical difficulties, which, which feels apropos. It does. to this episode
0: unfriended unfriended podcaster edition i so badly want that to be a thing i talk about it all the time with terry my co-host for Scared for life where i'm just like because my cats will open my door and it'll look like mm-hmm. a ghost and i'm like I, this is just we gotta do it <laughs> it's very original very scary <laughs>
2: yeah well like when i was waiting for you to come on um i was definitely like you know, thinking about host and there seems to be kind of like a new wave of found speaking of there seems to be sort of this new wave of found footage.
0: Oh, 100%. And I think it's so I it is really, really cool to me because I think well, found footage in general gets a really bad reputation. I think.
2: Yeah, why do you think that is? Like that kind of, uh, that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on because you know it's high lowbrow, and we both love found footage and just horror in general is considered to be quite lowbrow. But I think, I mean, number one, your writing elevates it and and clearly makes
0: a strong case for not being lowbrow at all. Well, thank you. But the thing with found footage is it's so easy to make and it's cheap to make. And the pro- and that means that a lot of people are trying to do it, which project is like, you know, it's a huge marker for when found footage became like a thing again, because obviously the Blair Witch Project had that crazy viral marketing campaign where they told everybody that the kids actually died and they had them hide. And it was really incredible, like especially for 1999, they had a website like, which is crazy in 1999. And then, you know, I think found footage didn't really get its find its footing until i think cloverfield and paranormal activity came out in like the late 2000s so like i think 2007 2008 and that's when people were like oh shit like i can do this and then do this but also at the same time there's a context of like post 9-11 and this whole thing about like truth and recording things yourself and like wanting to have your own like a record of things and i think mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily as much of a focus for us until after the, the terrorist attacks um in new york city or in the in, like, in the United States and so I think that had a huge, a huge amount to do with this boom of found footage and with so much found footage, there were some there are some really bad ones. That's what happens with all movies. Like, you know, you have paranormal activity and cloverfield come out that like obviously people kind of shit on, but they made a ton of money in the box office for what they were. And then everyone wanted to be that. Everyone wanted to be paranormal activity specifically, because paranormal activity was made with like ten thousand dollars. Cloverfield mm-hmm. was a different story with the budget. But still, I think everyone thought they could do it. Everyone got really annoyed really fast because bad found footage is really bad when you like, yeah, the shaky cam is a thing and it has its place. But when you really don't know what you're doing with that and the acting is also is also bad, like it, it can be really bad. But like, like any movie can be really bad. It's not just found footage, but it's just even more obvious with the format. And I think that's why people just stopped liking it. They were like, oh, it's so stupid. Like, why are they holding the camera? I'm going to get motion sickness. It's so shaky, blah, blah, blah. And instead of really thinking about how the format lends itself to making really cool, innovative stuff, it was pushed to the side as just like a cheap way to make a horror movie with your friends. There's so many found footage movies. And I I found found footage to me, and especially coming back to the question about now, is that found footage, because it can be made in such kind of like a DIY way for cheap – it's on the cutting edge of new technology of how we want to make movies of how we want to record like there was jerusalem that was about a woman who used google glass during like this crazy Mm -hmm. apocalyptic thing and like it wasn't super successful but it was a really cool way to try to interpret technology into horror movies and like Mm -hmm. and then we see that now with unfriended with host with the den the Den 2010 so it was like an earlier version of this but like interpreting our fears of the internet and like what that means and our relationship with the internet and it's not like you know everyone's conditioned to be a little bit afraid of it but like what what really lurks in the internet and i think found footage is just like such a cool way to interpret that fear through what we are most connected to from our phones cameras whatever and i think people don't give it enough credit for that it's not just a gimmick it's a really cool way to try to understand what we're scared of in the current moment and how mm-hmm. we're capturing it.
2: And to that point, there's all of these people on on TikTok now, I feel <gasps> oh like oh my god. And even something like do you remember oh my god, what was that Twitter thread?
0: Oh, the um it was the Adam Ellis, it was Dear David
2: dear david dear
0: david and that was a whole thing i follow that shit religiously i cannot tell
2: you i so for people that don't know and because i'm sure most of you don't (laughs) um it's like so so niche twitter but it did blow up a little bit more it did
0: It, it was because the guy worked for buzzfeed too yeah
2: which which should have tipped us off to begin with But I, you know, I wanted to believe I wanted to believe
0: like, it looks so good.
2: So essentially, this guy started tweeting a thread about this, like haunting that was happening in his apartment. And it just escalated and escalated and escalated. And there were videos and photos. And it was it was I loved it. It was such a journey. I mean, I won't spoil it necessarily for you, but it's worth, you know, you can find all the, the entire thread on the internet, but sound footage sort of like plays into our fears about the internet. But then people are also using the internet to tell these stories, which is interesting. And there's scary TikTok, which Ugh. let me tell you, I try to get on it all the time and it it never lets me like i will seek out these videos like i'm so desperate to get on
0: to scary talk and once in a while i'll get a
2: glimpse but usually it just like
0: i think it's smaller than you think too because i i i don't get it a lot i get on it sometimes but i feel like it's harder i think it's like a little bit fewer and far between like the good ones but there are some good ones and like yeah tiktok is all about i feel like the whole point of tiktok is authenticity or like I, whatever that's the whole thing with social media now like I work in social media and the whole thing now, every platform is like, authenticity, be yourself. So like being a brand is like, no one cares. They want to see like you with no makeup on and, and like covered in baby vomit. Like that's what my TikTok, I don't know why I have so many babies on my TikTok. But I have a lot of babies
2: too on my TikTok, which is so weird. I like kids and I have a lot of friends with kids. So maybe that's what like the algorithm is picking up yeah, on. But maybe. but yeah, I I would love to get more scary tiktok but there's been a couple like viral things and you know you follow along with with someone who says oh there's like my house is haunted and then this happens and like it's really compelling storytelling i think i
0: think so too this one that i was following for i actually haven't checked in on her in a bit um she (laughs) she's dead now she's dead she's fucking dead someone left a creepy ass doll on her porch and had bones in it and like obviously like it seems very fake like i know but like i will suspend my disbelief for the tiktok like i will i will get invest myself in the tiktok like that's what i care like yeah i know it's fake you don't have to tell me that i just want to like turn off my brain for a little bit and fall into this horror story and then it's like she found another doll and then the doll moved and she caught it on mm-hmm. camera and i was like this is fucking crazy and i love it because it's and there's like there's people on tiktok who claim they do have haunted dolls and that they like can talk to their dolls and they'll have tiktok like let go live on tiktok with their haunted dolls mm-hmm. and it's so fucking creepy but it's so fascinating like, This is the side of the internet i never would have like think I would have tapped into I love it
2: there was like this one woman that I was following for a little while with like her haunted house and there was live video of like her tap turning on and like lights you know going off which that stuff is very easy to fake absolutely but it's it's just it's just fun and and I think for me also like and we can talk about quote-unquote elevated horror a little bit Mm -hmm. um Where I feel like there's all of this, all of these horror movies like Ari Aster and, you know, Mike Flanagan's TV show and Robert Eggers and, you know, all of the, and something like St. Maude. Like, there's all of these, all of these movies and TV shows that are so deeply heavy, like, so, so heavy, filled with, like, grief and trauma and the horror and the ghosts. They're all just, like, metaphors. And, of course, I mean, as you know, like, horror is always allegory. Yeah, yeah. And as much as I respect all of those horror movies and those filmmakers, and I like some more than others, but there's something about this like really, I don't know, really simple storytelling that that's happening like on, on Twitter and TikTok, whenever we find those, those little stories. And that's what I like. Like, I just want a simple ghost story, you know? So that's what I like about something like paranormal activity. You know, I rewatched a few of them maybe like last, halloween and i just love them like they're just so fun they're so good they're so good and they're really inventive right
0: i still think that the first three are incredible pieces of filmmaking
2: i love the third
0: i love the third one the third is the best The third is the best, I think, because yeah. they really hit their stride in playing with the camera. Like the yes. oscillating fan. The fan, I was going to say, the the oscillating honestly. The fan is the best part of it, a whole movie. And that's like saying something, because there's some cool shit in that movie. But like the way that he puts the camera on the oscillating fan. Oh, and also the movie takes place in like the 70s. So it's got like a little bit of a retro, or 70s or 80s. They've got like a retro vibe to it a little yeah. bit too. But they put the camera on the oscillating fan. Which, and so it moves, you know, into the room and you don't see anything and then it slowly moves and you might kind of see something, but it keeps moving.
2: Yeah. And you're always wondering what's out of frame when the fan is oscillating to the right and then to the left. And, you know, as it's turning, it just builds this tension that's like so effective, you know, because you're always, you're always expecting something to be in frame, once it gets, once the fan gets, oh. the camera gets to the frame. And that's also another reason why
0: I love found footage is that, like, you don't, found footage doesn't always, knows it doesn't have to always have something in the frame. Like, there doesn't always have to be a big jump scare. There doesn't always have to be, like, something waiting.
2: That I mean, that's a big part of it for me is, like, you know, those those nighttime scenes when the security or the night vision camera or whatever it is, you know, in the bedroom and it's just sort of fixed on the people sleeping and number one the like the sort of timer element is incredible because you know when it's you know because it's going fast 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 and then when it slows down you know something's coming yeah but also just in that in the frame for you know five minutes or however long it, it stays there your your eye is just searching every little nook and cranny yes. to find something scary and I I just think that's that's so incredible
0: I agree and like invisible man used that and a lot of movies a lot more movies now are using that technique of like ooh, what you gonna do because found footage movies make you work for it they don't just mm-hmm. want to present it to you in quick cuts quick editing like all of this shit it's getting you to really like engage with the movie and to look at the movie and watch it like if you look away for a second you could miss that shadow in the doorway you could miss that like tug at the sheets and that's what's so great about it because it's a movie that wants you to be all in and like Mm -hmm. and wants you to really buy into what's happening and invested and I don't think a lot of movies necessarily ask that of the audience I think a lot of movies exist to kind of make you forget the apparatus of the camera and Mm -hmm. you know bright wall dark room situation where you're just like focusing on that and thinking about not that you're watching a movie but like it's something you know different but here it's like no you're watching a fucking movie and you're aware of the camera so let's like let's not try to pretend that you're not and I love that like it's cool yeah yeah I agree there I'm as
2: you're talking I was reminded of this this quote by and I hate to say his name but Roman Polanski when he when he did Rosemary's Baby he like watched it with an audience for the first time and there's that scene um, of the doorway and Pharaoh's just sort you can kind of she's talking on the phone in the bedroom and you can kind of just see like a little bit of her, like kind of like half of her body sitting on a bed, you know? Yeah. And he said in that theater, the whole audience sort of like leaned forward and like like as if they were kind of look trying to see what was beyond the doorway. And I think I think that's that's so cool. And and I think found footage sort of operates in that same way where you're just always kind of trying to look around the doorway to see what you know creepy thing is lurking exactly we've talked a little bit about it but like what about what about the genre like of found footage sort of like interests you so much and like what about it like resonates so deeply I mean you are you are a scholar in the in the <laughs> genre so and I don't I don't think there's that many people out there which makes what you're doing so amazing and I love it so much um but yeah what what like Resonates for you.
0: I've okay, so I've I've always loved found footage. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for it. I loved Paranormal Activity and the Blair Witch Project, but I think my really big fascination came with it during the pandemic. Actually, like Mm -hmm. you know, I've always been game to watch found footage, but I think from an academic perspective, it really hit me during the pandemic at the beginning because of it was both watching found footage and seeing people put out these really cool like found footage shorts on Twitter with. we're, we're stuck in the house. We're bored. What do I do? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a found footage movie. Rob Savage made, like, got his start with host with this prank video he recorded, and so I think there was just something in my brain that kind of like a perfect storm in my brain that clicked. That was like there's something really fucking cool about the ability to make movies and scary movies of any length in your house and make it look like you yourself are experiencing that horror. And I think I just got like really obsessed with that and then really couldn't stop thinking about it. And like Lake Mungo is another, is a film, it's a mockumentary, it's a pseudo documentary. And I know there's like arguments, about if that's found footage or not, I consider it found footage. And what that, what that was really cool about that to me, what got me thinking about how found footage layers different kinds of media to make like, to create this version of the truth. So it's like, in Paranormal Activity yeah it's a pretty straightforward found footage movie but you know there's also the audio they record there's the photos they look at there's all these different pieces of media that are really crucial in making you believe in the world and making you believe that this is actually happening and like in Lake Mungo you have like news broadcasts and interviews and so it's just that kind of amalgamation of things coming together to make this really fascinating kind of confrontation about what it means to tell the truth on screen just like really got into my brain especially in the last mm-hmm. you know couple of years with the way things have been going on the internet and in yeah. the good old united states with presidency but yeah i think it was like partially pandemic brain but also like me always loving it and finally having kind of the words and ability to write about why i loved it so much
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting to hear you talk about how reality is portrayed on screen um because i know also like during the pandemic you've gotten into real Housewives. i have (laughs) and it's funny because i'm someone who's like i love the ghost hunting shows but i've loved real housewives for like 16 years and i was i i've always loved like like reality in all of its forms like even daytime talk
0: shows and
2: i feel like there's a lot of parallels between like reality tv and found footage
0: exactly (laughs) and it's like real housewives is scarier than found footage because these women are like absolutely wild no there really is because i don't know do we consider the ghost hunting shows reality tv not really i guess not but like i kind of do like like, i think i think they fit
2: in like not in the traditional sense per se but i think there's like a very very strong case and i do think I would be interested to see like the demographics of like who's the majority like watching the ghost shows and I wonder if like it's more of like a a guy thing versus a oh you know a female thing I'm not really sure but that could be maybe part of the distinction too oh interesting
0: well yeah and I feel like with reality tv the way you think about it like it's trash you can turn your brain off you know what I mean and that's like the difference to me it's like found footage you want to like really be watching it and it's like hard to not watch it like to like not be engaged with what's going on in reality tv you can kind of turn your brain off but still there is that kind of fascination with truth because with real housewives, like you kind of know that it's all bullshit. Like, you know that like, yeah, these are real, these are real women and their real lives, but like, what's a performance and what's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's always kind of like who, what are they actually like versus how they want to be perceived. So there is that, there is that kind of existence of like, what is the truth? (laughs) insert oprah meme here like what is the truth (laughs) of like you know for the found footage like you know it's fake but could it be real and then with reality tv it's like you know it's real but could it also be fake you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. so there is that kind of like questioning a little bit like nagging in the back of your mind with both of like if you're if you're engaging with it like some people might not think about this and they just want to watch bullshit and like i totally get that
2: yeah and that's fine too but yeah it it definitely like brings up some interesting questions and it
0: definitely does
2: and i think it's like what we were talking about before like wanting to believe
0: yeah exactly and like you want to believe in those moments when like you see genuine interaction like those are genuine moments it's not just for the camera and like which yeah. characters are actually themselves and not just playing characters for tv versus whatever and i also like you know because of <laughs> Because I am now obsessed with Real Housewives and I'm in the subreddits and like read bullshit all the time and listen to podcasts. It does feel like a lot of these women are like, you know, you can kind of tell when they're being authentic versus when they're Mm -hmm. just like being a certain way on camera, which is fascinating.
2: I know it's impossible to like predict the future, especially like these days, but...
0: (laughs) Where,
2: where do you see the genre going?
0: So I actually just wrote something about this, about how I think there's a, been to a, be a boom in found footage again, because, you know, we had hosts last year, and I think we're going to see a lot more of those second screen, screen life horror movies that take place on your computer, but then also dash cam and all of its controversial glory, like came out of TIFF which is a i haven't seen that yet and i'm actually really interested to mm. see it because i think did you see it
2: i saw some of it
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> um i am pretty angry about the like the, the vibes that i've heard about it and like the things i've read but i, I do still really want to see it because i think there's a conversation to be had here about being too authentic and really kind of blurring those lines especially when you're bringing in like issues of today and not interrogating them in a in a careful way again i Mm. haven't seen it but just from what i've read and what i've heard it does not do those things i'm not sure if you can corroborate that with the little bit that you've seen but i just like i think there's a really fascinating conversation to be had here about letting people play their authentic selves on camera in found footage and like Mm. not really talking about that in any meaningful way but then also you know we have the new vhs movie coming out uh, which I have seen and it's incredible and I the new Paranormal Activity movie is coming out which I'm really excited for but I think VHS 94 especially which features I think this is one of I think this is the first one to feature female filmmakers which is pretty depressing but Jennifer Reeder and uh, Chloe Okuno direct segments in it and it's and it's really a quite an incredible like return for the series because I think People are leaning into the fact that you can do cool creature shit with found footage. You can have effects in found footage and they can look good. You just have to be careful. Like, you can have practical effects. You can have gore. Like, found footage doesn't have to be this, like, low-budget bullshit, like, one camera, $200, a guy in a tent. Like, you can put some money in it and make it look really fucking good and have Mm -hmm. something really scary. And so – you know i was in a panel yesterday about found footage and one of the filmmakers in the panel said that their studios are actively telling people not to make found footage which makes me really upset but but it's studios but i still think regardless of what studios are saying because fuck the studios i feel like there's going to be a boom now post-pandemic not even post it's not even post-pandemic but like in relative different pandemic let
1: pandemic mm-hmm.
0: light I don't even know if that's the right word for it but a different phase of the pandemic I think we're going to see a new a new boom in what people are going to create and kind of what people are going to experiment with and I'm 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 really excited I if what I have seen speaks to anything I think there's going to be some really cool stuff coming out for some great up-and-coming filmmakers and I think it's starting to get taken a little bit more seriously I hope so mm-hmm Love that,
2: I hope so too. I'm I mean, anytime a new horror movie comes out, i'm I'm hopeful.
0: I know like please be good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm just like optimistic all the time. and you know, usually it it doesn't pan out, but there's always some gems. I just want to leave on on one last question, not even a question, but just I want you to tell me and and our listeners what are your top five underrated? found footage movies
0: okay hold on let me pull up my list okay because it i my what the recommendations i offer anybody change on any given day depending on what like i'm thinking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so the two that i recommend pretty much constantly because i think they're really well done are webcast and cronewood they're both british full core found footage and i think it's like you know there's not a lot of full core found footage out there and i think they're done really well and Cronewood in particular does actually a, a really interesting thing with interrogating the male gaze and also discussing se- sexual assault in a way that I've never seen in the format so I'm it was really impressive so those two those two for sure the other ones I would say probably Occult by um Koji Shirashi who did Naroi which is you know a pretty it's a 20 20- the Noroi is a pretty, you know, relatively well-known-ish found footage horror movie from Japan, and his other films are also found footage. And the Cult is my favorite; it's cosmic found footage horror, which is pretty cool as well. Savage Land, which is the the, the horror of the like the found footage part, is actually all in photographs, and it's really well done. And how they make this horrifying story through photographs. And kind of describing the photographs. And then the last one I think that I would recommend on this day would be Oh, Afflicted. Afflicted is a vampire found footage movie. And it's very, very good.
2: That's enough for anyone's Halloween watch list, I think. So thank you for those recos. Let everyone know what you're what you're up to and where they can find you on the internet.
0: What am I up to? Um what am I not up to?
2: You're busy booked and busy booked
0: and busy so you can follow me on twitter at mb mcandrews that's where you can see all my writing all of my shit posting all of the things i've watched and then i want people to see um you can follow my i I have two podcasts the first one scarred for life is my co-host terry and i talk to uh, people in the horror space about the films that scared them as kids and that's at scarred podcast And then I have Watched Once Never Again with Daxie Bobbin, where we talk about disturbing cinema, not just horror, but in all genres. And that's at Wona Podcast, at W-O-N-A Podcast. I have some cool stuff coming up that I can't talk about quite yet, but will be announced hopefully soon. So you guys can just keep your eyeballs on my Twitter for any of those announcements. Yeah. Oh, also, I'm a couple of found footage related projects. I did a commentary track for Paranormal Activity, second sight cinema with terry so if you're interested in that i'm actually pretty proud of that and then house of leaves publishing is putting out a book called filtered reality next year about which is about found footage and pre-orders are going live soon and i have a chapter in that book about the poughkeepsie tapes and lake mungo and the concept of pseudo documentary and true crime so you should follow them and get that book because I'm in it, but also everyone else in it is really fucking cool and really talented.
2: And this was so fun. Thank you for coming on. And as me. of course, I was so excited. You were like, well, I just wanted you on so badly. Um, so I'm happy you made the time. Um, and as for us, you can find you can find us at high lowbrow pod on Instagram. Oh.
0: And I just want to apologize
1: to Mike's mom, and Josh's mom, and my mom. I am so, so sorry, because it is my
2: fault, because it was my project.